Hello, this is episode 346 of the Global Psychology Podcast. I'm Nisha Riley. So this is one of those podcasts where I don't really have any notes. Every so often, I'm drawn to record kind of a special episode on INFJs. Usually because I've sort of gone through a sort of a growth or a eureka or a realization. But in this case, I've, I've spent probably the last six weeks in particular, working predominantly with INFJs of all different ages. I bumped into somebody, a a former parent, during the week, and they sort of said to me, you know, like they were asking me how work was, and I was saying that strangely I had ended up working with a lot of people, you know, and going back in my own experiences to the ages of 13 and 15 and younger, and and they were like, oh, I don't know if I could do that. I, I, I really wouldn't really wouldn't want to do that. And I'd kind of forgotten, I suppose, over time. Like when I first started this school, I hadn't realized that this would happen for me. And not just in terms of my personality, which I'll go back to in a minute, but that I would end up reliving a lot of my own experiences. And the first time, like I've written about this in, in one of the books that's on the Patreon, like the first time this happened to me was, um, I remember it vividly, it was a little boy of seven who was going to the same boys' primary school as the girls that I had started in. And he was being com- he was completely traumatised. And I probably cried for about three weeks after I first met him. And then gradually, over the space of a year, I, I relived all of my own worst experiences through other people and got to the other side. And I didn't have a very good self-care package really built for myself, if I'm honest. And it was a time before I really had a, a tribe of close people around me. I I just didn't know what I needed. And I got quite sick, actually, after the first year of starting the school. It kind of set my thyroid over the edge. And so it was a real kind of wake-up call for me to realize what I need in my life. Um, I realized recently that I haven't been doing my plank routine every day. And I didn't realize how big a difference that that would make to me, but I, I'm starting to really chart it. Like I, I kind of recorded in, in an app, I think it's called Momentum or something. It's a very simple app where you just tick off if you've done something. And if I don't do it for three days, I'm in really like big trouble. It's really interesting to realize that, that you know I can go two days, but not three. And it's better if I do it every day and actually if I do it twice a day. It's one of those really simple things that gives me core strength. And I'm also inclined to take on the shape of other people's physicality, especially when I work with them. And it's one of the reasons why I kind of have the rocking chair now in my office as well for my posture, because it kind of makes me correct my posture and it makes me move around and it makes me change my posture rather than sort of setting myself up um, to kind of mimic other people. So yeah, it's really interesting. Like it can be really simple things that you need to do every day that make a profound impact to your well-being. And I suppose I have like a whole list of those and I'm sure I've talked about them before, like of the routine that I do. But it's the simplest thing that that those core exercises really strengthen me and really improve my own posture, my own physicality. And that actually has a very big impact on my thyroid, 
my my posture has an extremely big impact on my thyroid. I, I realized that a long time ago. So yeah, it, it's funny and there's I can't I can't find it now on Instagram, but I hate Christmas commercials. Like they're all set up to be weepy and gut twisting and they're really not my thing. But I came across this really cute one uh, during the week where it was this little dude that's inside in the supermarket checkout and he's got a little hat on and a red light and you know when you like you scan things he, he kind of wobbles his head and he bleeps and the light flashes as he, as he wobbles his head and obviously it's like the madness of, of the Christmas rush and then the supermarket shuts and he's on his own in his little till with his little light blinking away and he's all sad because you know he doesn't have anybody around him and I can't remember how exactly it transpires that he realizes they all realize that there's these little blinky people in all of the tills, right? And they kind of meet up and they form a community at the end of the commercial and it's really cute and they've all kind of found each other. Well, that's a bit what being an INFJ is like. And it's a bit like I turned on that blinky little light a few years ago. In fact, I think I vaguely remember setting an intention to work with more people like myself to, to be what I didn't have myself for them and it's like I've turned on this little blinky light and I, I've lost count now I, I, I think it's 11 countries I, I know people in that I work with the the age range is is constantly stretching out to the extremes on, on either side it's some of the most rewarding work I do because there's a sense of saving people <laughs> you know and i'm not into saving people but but you're saving people from some of the despair that you shouldn't have to go through some of the kind of suffering like i would bring us back to the last podcast some of the sense of just the realization that you do have a different frame of reference that you speak from and that that's not the end of the world and that you know We've all been in so many situations where we've had that frame of reference and everyone reacts to it. And you're kind of sitting there going like, um, that's not what I said or that's not what I meant. Or how did you take that out of that? You know, and you're kind of like trying to twist where, where other people see the world from. And, and no one quite grasps where you see it. And you end up in these situations being, quite frankly, bullied. And they really hurt. And the part of me that fascinates me, if I'm really honest, having gone through so many sort of lives and, and been in so many circumstances and done so many different things and had so many negative experiences, quite frankly, it took me a long time to find people that... Not, not, not just people that were like me, who were speaking the same lingo as the same Spotnik, but actually to find people who recognized the gap and were able to translate that to me and were able to actually like honor who I am and tell me the positives of it, you know, and, and, and not just sort of go for me. Like that, that took a long time for me to, to find those people. And... The part that fascinates me is that I still now rock up to all these new situations, very enthusiastic and open. I manage to, I'm sorry, next door's dogs are going to start barking because there's a dog, there's going to be like a dog battle for a couple of minutes. 
it's basically because someone else gets to go for walkies and they don't. It's actually quite grim. But I think that's ended. So, you know, the, I managed to to come to these situations and to complete strangers and to go into environments and to bump into people and to do small talk and to have conversations and to greet people and put them at ease, to find ways to, to talk to anybody. Like there was a time where I hated going to parties, I particularly hated going to dinner parties. Um, I would actually find it really difficult to walk into a crowded room. And over time, I've, I've managed to sort of put all of that down and walk into to spaces, especially public spaces, but even online spaces where I work with people myself. And be quite quite open, but the part that's very difficult, I think, for INFJs, and I think this is kind of what I want to talk about because I've seen this a lot recently in, in people that I've been working with, and I've been reminded of it, and I've seen it myself. If those spaces go wrong, if those spaces let us down, if we end up being hurt in places, if we have been hurt by a particular type of person. If we see the sort of um, the sort of people who like to be really popular and um, kind of king of the group, and you know that if you kind of challenge them too much, that you're going to get thrown under the bus, right? We we kind of really recognise those people because we've really experienced it many times. We've experienced a lot of projection along the way, and the part that's really difficult for INFJs, I think, more than any other groups that I work with. Though there's one other personality that does this as well that's exceptionally embodied. We actually store that trauma in our bodies. We, we, we store memories like memory foam within us. And we have a full kind of recall of situations on every level of what's taken place in terms of the, the visual kind of like a, like a movie that plays out the voices, the the voice patterns, the tonality, the way that made us feel in our body, the physicality of other people that we then mimic and take on. Like, I have a complete recall of every session I do with students. And I remember the first sessions in particular, and I remember the changes. And it's those depths of connection to other people that allow us to be so amazing in our work. And this can be a positive and a negative experience. And one of the the books I think I read last year I talked a lot about Cecily Tyson. Like she talked about embodying characters. And actually getting out of bed and having like a limp and having physical pains in her body as she embodied characters. And that is such an INFJ experience. So if we go into an environment and it's being toxic, and particularly if there's been all these undercurrents and this judgment and, oh, you're speaking Sputnik and let's all gang up on you. Like, I had that gang up on me from the age of four in Montessori school, and I still remember it. And, and like, there's no point telling people, oh, you know, like, this, you, you grow out of this, you grow out of being misunderstood. And INFJ never grows out of that. We just go from experience to experience to experience to experience. We go from place to place to place to being misunderstood. It hasn't mattered where I've been in my life. It hasn't mattered whether I've been in university and I've been a science student, whether I've been working in theatre, whether I've been with a street theatre group, whether 
you know, all the different facets of places. The only place I never experienced this was in my own school I created it because I wouldn't allow those kind of niggles to take place. I would just, I would just stamp on them. I would, I would notice the dynamics of someone trying to have a one-upmanship on another student. I would just like, we're not doing that. You know, and if necessary, it would separate people very quickly so that they didn't have neg- didn't continue to have negative experiences. I would do whatever it took to eradicate that instantly so that it didn't become memory foam for people. But, because it, but it does become memory foam for INFJs, and that's fantastic if you want to be a character actor. It's fantastic if you really want to work with people to change deep trauma in them. It's fantastic if you really want to empower other INFJs to go out into the world. And, you know, it, it's, it's difficult to say this, but we have a pretty unique skill set and we have pretty amazing things that we can do in the world when we're helped to do them. But we can be exceptionally dark as well. And I work with the really difficult side of this too. I work with the, diff- the, the manipulation and the negative empathy and the uses of emotional intelligence in a very destructive way with families. And and we've seen that on a large scale. I don't even want to mention the people on a large scale who can do that. So, you know, it's a skill set that can be amazing, but it can be really dark too. And you want the best for people. And you're using that memory foam to allow you to do that. But then it's exceptionally difficult to return to places where you've been hurt. And where you know the same dynamics and the same bullshit are taking place. You know that exactly the same scenario can happen again with different people. You know that the same misunderstanding and the same sense of being sort of, you know, ganged up on is possible and can take place. And so you end up being hyper aware of the energy and the dynamics and everything that's taking place and so for me the most fascinating part of me is that I can go to every new place and go okay this you know I'm just going to bring myself and this is going to be great and then if it's not it's the end of the world and it's so hard to rewrite that it's so hard I think I think the part I think a bird just crashed into the window and I think the, the part for me that I try to, to, to deeply change for people is that you shouldn't take those experiences to a new experience. I can understand for myself that I'm taking that experience back to the same environments with the same dynamics and the same things playing out and seeing it all. And I'm kind of like, I don't really want to go in there. But I can equally go to new places and, you know, go to dinner parties and connect with everybody. And even if, like, at the end of the night, which happened recently, very recently to me, I spent four hours in people's company and not one person said goodbye to me. And there was a time where I would have really struggled with that. I would have sort of thought, what's wrong with me and blah, 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 you know, and and what did I do wrong? What didn't I fit into? And what don't I get about the world? You know, but I, I can go to another dinner party this week and connect with everybody and everybody gets up and doesn't say goodbye to me. That's fine. You know, I learned to let that go. And I think that that's, that's the part that's really important. But we also have to realize the, the challenges of the memory foam. And we, for me, I have to realize 
the importance of the simplicity of doing a plank routine every day for my physicality. That that is like a, a groundbreakingly simple, effortless, fairly effortless thing to do every day that helps me to meet the world and helps me to be physically well. Like, because I've been kind of going through everything, going, what am I not doing at the moment? What, why am I not at my peak? And yes, okay, we've just done a pandemic and I've had COVID a million times. And I'm going to need to stop being so hard on myself about my fitness level. But I'm kind of like, there's something simple I'm not doing here every day. What is it? And, and it's just that I haven't been doing my planks. It is, it's that simple. So this is a very specific, very... I don't like doing podcasts that are so narrow, but maybe for some people it might help them if they have INFJs in their world and they're just like, like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you jump over this hurdle? Um, or if you're an INFJ who's carrying around memory foam, and yes, it's got pros and cons. It is basically like a superpower we take through the world to see everything that everyone else needs. But we have to learn to not let it hurt us so much. And and I've learned to say, no, I've learned to say that it's okay to not walk into a toxic space over and over. And to actually watch it and think, I, I don't really want to be here. I don't want to reenact the same thing. That's actually okay too. Because I had that conversation with another another person over lunch recently. And you know, they're having a similar situation. They're kind of like, I'm not sure I'm going to learn anything by doing this again. And and it's okay to sort of stop and press pause and say, I don't have to suffer here. And and to think to yourself, like, what, what benefit is there for me doing this? Like, sometimes there's a benefit for me stretching myself and there's a benefit for me challenging people. But then there's also sometimes, like, I don't, I don't need to do this. I don't need to take this battle on. There's lots of other battles in the world. I don't need this one. But you shouldn't let it dictate every new experience you go to, every new person you meet, every new possibility of deep connections. If I, I have gone through thousands of people in my life, and I'm not exaggerating, but I have, if I hadn't gone through all of those people and been prepared to connect with each and every one of them that fell away or in some case sent me really horrible messages or bitched about me to other people or whatever. If I hadn't done that over and over and over again, I wouldn't have the the core amazing people around me that I do have. So I had to keep putting myself out there to meet those new people. Not everyone has put a blinky light on the top of their head to act as a sort of a homing beacon for us to find each other, unfortunately. Though I think we could all do that if we wanted to. You could try turning on your homie beacon light and flashing it a bit and seeing what happens for you. And you might get to those people quicker. So I hope that in some ways that long rambling, unstructured podcast is in some way helpful.